Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. All right, so on Saturday mornings um, and on Saturday sometimes evenings, I have a special time of prayer in preparation for my time with you guys on Sunday mornings. I then follow this with a series of rituals on Sunday mornings to kind of get myself into the state of mind that I need to be in, including whenever Cora and I leave Ingalls, we actually pull over to a parking space there. I let her see my phone for a second. This is the last time that I actually look at my message before Sunday morning, and then I have a time of prayer there. Then whenever I get here, I usually have a time of prayer in the office, and then right before service starts, usually the band and the tech teams are up here, and we pray uh, and have a short devotion during that time as well. It's very important. This internal preparation is really important. I honestly don't know that I would be able to bring very much to you guys if I came in on a Sunday morning with like the sin and the stubbornness and everything else through the week that's just still kind of clinging to my body. So while I require preparation in regards to a a sermon, what I'm sharing with you guys, I also require this preparation internally to make sure that my heart is exactly where it needs to be and sensitive to the Spirit. And you want to know something? You guys need that too before you come in on Sunday mornings. So I know what your life looks like. It looks a lot like mine. You're arguing with the spouse. You're trying to get the kids ready. You're wondering, should I just go ahead and drive? If I stop and get that coffee, I'm only going to be seven or eight minutes late. But it's like our heart should be in a place of preparation before we even come uh, to church. So last Saturday afternoon, I was here praying uh, late afternoon, and I stopped and I went into my office and I wrote this exact thing on the whiteboard, and I shared a little bit of this last week, but in a different way. The energy, enthusiasm, and excitement in this room on Sunday mornings does not matter if it's lost the second that we walk out the door. So regardless of how good worship can be, and a lot of times at the conclusion of our services, when we have people accepting Christ, when we have people coming forward, laying down the burdens that are going on, the difficulties of their marriage, the difficulties of their finances, a sickness or an illness that they've just heard about, or if you're down here or from your seat, you're making that commitment, God, I'm giving everything to you. This is the day that I'm starting over. I know that I've been through all these things and all these hard times, but but starting as soon as I leave here and through this week, I'm turning everything over to you, only to find out that after a very short period of time, we've started to take everything back. So the energy, enthusiasm, and excitement on this room, in this room on Sunday mornings does not matter if it's lost the second that we walk out the door. I believe this to be 
very true. Our lives require regular rhythms that keep us from the idols of distraction, busyness, and self-indulgence. Because those are the things that are primarily taking over our lives and moving us away from this relationship with God. So our mission at Believer's Church, Believer's Church, is to help broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. That's what we're about. Our first core value is formation or to become students of Jesus. We become students of Jesus through the practice of what we often refer to as spiritual disciplines. So every spring and every fall, we take four to ten weeks to focus on a very specific spiritual discipline. The goal is to take this spiritual discipline and implement it into our lives in a meaningful way. Spiritual disciplines include giving, fasting, scripture reading, prayer, silence and solitude, serving, worship, a lot of different things that we could be talking about. So this is where we are right now. In the fall, we focused on giving, and this spring, what we're talking about is worship. So last week, if you remember, what we did was we defined worship, and I just gave my own definition that I felt like would be helpful, and it was this. Worship is a way of pouring ourselves out to God as God then generously pours himself into us. So what we're doing when we worship, if we're here or with what we're talking about today, building worship as a lifestyle, what we're doing throughout our day, every single day, and especially whenever we're here together, is we are pouring ourselves out to God. This can look like scripture. This can look like prayer. This can look like music. It can look so many different ways. But as we are giving ourselves to God through this experience, God is then pouring back into us. That is a really effective way to look at worship. So I'd like to encourage you, if you, wasn't, if you weren't here last week, to just go back and listen to the podcast, because getting a good piece of part one is going to be very helpful for what we'll talk about through the rest of this practice. So what we're going to focus on today is this idea of worship as a way of life. What does it mean to talk about worship as a way of life? If we are following Jesus, if we are followers of Jesus, we need to understand what it means to exercise worship as a way of life. So I'm going to go to Romans chapter 12. If you have your Bible this morning, if you want to use your phone, that's perfectly fine. Romans chapter 12, we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. They're also going to be on the screen up here. I usually use the common English Bible with you guys, but I'm going to use today the Bible, and we're going to get into the CEB, but the Bible that I study out of the most is the New Revised Standard Version. It's a very, very good translation, and I just felt led to read out of this this morning, but then I'm going to go to another translation here in just a second. So just two verses, Romans chapter 12, and I want to read from verses 1 and 2. Okay, so this is what the Scripture says. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and what is acceptable, and what is perfect. 
All right, so that's a beautiful way to describe what worship is supposed to look like. But I'm going to go to a translation. I love to read this translation. It's not as great of a translation. What I just read is like a word-for-word translation. This translation, the message, is more of a paraphrase. But I want to share this with you just because I love the way this reads, okay? So I want you to think about this. Same verses, one and two. So here's what I want you to do with God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. Okay, so I want you to think for just a second about what your everyday, ordinary life looks like. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. So what do you do when you take your ordinary life? You place it before God as an offering. Take your everyday life, whatever it is, every one of us, it's just a little bit different, or it's really different. And you take that life, And you place it as an offering before God. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking about it. Meaning TikTok is probably not the best moral compass. Just saying. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize that what he wants for you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, this other thing that is competing for your time and for your attention, always dragging you into a level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you and develops well-informed maturity in you. So Paul is writing to the Christian community in Rome, and there is so much that applies to where we are today. In fact, this passage goes so well with the definition that I gave you guys last week about us pouring ourselves out and then God pouring himself back into us. So what I want our primary focus this morning to do and to be on is verse 1, and I'm going to answer a question at the end from Paul's phrase on verse 2. So we're primarily with this idea of worship as a lifestyle. We're going to focus on verse 1, but then we're going to answer a question and look at an unusual situation for just a second in verse 2. So what is it that the NIV or the New International Version calls true and proper worship? What is it that true and proper worship actually looks like? If we're trying to build worship beyond what sometimes feels like maybe like an exciting, uh, like what, what separates what we do from an exciting concert to worship? What changes what I'm doing from some kind of self-help TED talk to something that can transform and change your life? What are the differences that are there? And how is it that we take those things and whenever we wake up in our everyday ordinary life, offer ourselves to God. A couple things that I want you to recognize. The first is this, let God's mercy be a starting point. God's mercy, if we are going to create a lifestyle of worship, God's mercy has to be a starting point. But then number two, and this leads in like a formula type of way, give yourself fully to God. So let God's mercy be a starting point. And this is what this means. Those of of us in here right now that have struggled with addiction, those of you that are in here right now that have come very close to losing 
or lost absolutely everything, all of a sudden one day your, your life is, is, is like completely normal, but then the next day things have turned upside down. And I'll tell you why I accidentally confused the name of my old church with everything that's on my mind. Uh, tomorrow I have to do a funeral in, uh, from a woman that used to go to our church that is exactly my age that had a heart attack. It was an absolutely tragic event, so I've had this funeral um, on my mind this morning and then need to drive to Kentucky tomorrow for this. But it's like one day life is good, and everything's going well, and then all of a sudden the bottom completely falls out. So what I'm concerned about and what really worries me is that a lot of people have a difficult time developing a lifestyle of worship because they've never really been desperate. Or on the other side of that, they have been desperate but they go other places. You know a person is desperate when they're on their phone like all the time because they know the second that they put it down, they have to react to that numbness and that horrible feeling that is going on inside of them. I'm trying to offer an alternative to this this morning. Through this desperation, what we come to recognize is the beauty of God's mercy. Now, a problem that a lot of people have, and I've been there, is that we don't feel as if we deserve God's mercy. There are a lot of people who are in a place and they say, well, I've done this, I've done that, I've tried this Christian thing over and over again, but I've relapsed or I've cheated again or I've done this or I've done that. I've been unfaithful to my kids when I told them that I would come through. I've told God that I would never do this thing again, yet I've done this thing again. And we do not see ourselves as, as good receivers of this mercy. So these are the kind of things that are going on in our lives. But if we can truly, and this is the key, view ourselves the way that God views us. And the only way that you learn to do this is in that secret place. Like you have to get away from all the noise, all the distraction. You have to focus in this relationship. And all of a sudden you see that this beat up sinner, this struggling person, this hurting person, this is not what God sees. If I have accepted Christ, as my Savior, he sees something beautiful, and as a reactionary method to that mercy, we are then able to give ourselves fully to God. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll get into some more of that in just a minute. If God's mercy is your starting point, you willingly give yourself fully to God, and then you create a lifestyle of worship. Now, how do you do that? What does that look like? This is exactly what it looks like. Number one, you're forever humble. You learn humility. You learn that you could not do it on your own, and this creates a spirit of worship within you. You recognize your need for mercy, in other words. But also, you're consistently grateful. So this idea of gratitude and thanksgiving as a part of worship, I mean, a lot of times on Sunday mornings when people are raising their hands, when you see emotions and the tears start flowing and you see those things, it's because people are grateful. They knew where they were and they know where they are now. I mean, that's the case with me. It's the reason that I'm able to worship. It's not just, oh, God is good. God is wonderful. It's he's brought me from something to this new place. But then also we are magnifying in his glory. And I'm going to make you, you this promise. Was, was last Sunday at the end of Sunday, was that not amazing? Raise your hand if you were not ready for that to end. Like the majority of the people in here, people came up to me and they were just like, why did we stop? Why did we end that? That was amazing. You have to talk to Tyler. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No. But seriously, 
Like it was an amazing day. And you know why that happens? Because all of a sudden we're getting honest at the same time. And what we're doing is we're magnifying his glory. And whenever we magnify his glory, people who planned on coming in here completely untouched and unscathed by the gospel of Jesus, something starts to happen within them as well. They're like, I just came here for a baptism. Like, I just came here because a friend invited me. Like, I didn't anticipate all this mess and all these things going on inside of me. And that's what happens when we're magnifying his glory, whenever we're lifting up his name in that way. So let's return to verse 1 and what it says, because this is where we get the explanation. Okay, consider the mercy as a starting point. Here's what it says. So brothers and sisters, because of God's mercy, because you're able to recognize yourself as a recipient of this, because you are worthy of this, because you have, in fact, despite the fact that sometimes you still feel super guilty, you have been forgiven. That is a very real thing. Because of God's mercies, I encourage you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your appropriate priestly service, or as the NIV says, your true and proper worship. It all starts with mercy as a starting point. Now, believe it or not, I say stupid things sometimes. I know you find that very hard to believe, but occasionally I say stupid things, and I get angry, and I have these issues, and I feel absolutely horrible about my, my actions, but I also recognize that at any point, I am a recipient and can receive forgiveness, even though sometimes other people may be unwilling to forgive me for my actions. I am forgiven, and I can live in the light of that. I wake up feeling good in the mornings instead of hungover. Like, you have no idea how many years I woke up feeling absolutely horrible. That's still beautiful to me. God has allowed me to be a husband. God has allowed me uh, to be a dad. I deserve death I deserve the grave, yet his mercies are new every single morning. And when God's mercy becomes real to you, because again, most people don't think about this. There's tragedy, there are hard times, there's anxiety, there's fear, there's low self-worth. There are all these things, and we don't look to the mercy of God that then expresses and pours out this humility and gratitude that is absolutely necessary for worship. So again, as a starting point, if you can see yourself in that place, it will drive the humility and the gratitude in your life. You see, unfortunately, most people don't live their lives as an act of worship, and there are a lot of reasons for that. For starters, most people today, they're just preoccupied with themselves. Most people are just thinking, me, me all the time, or they're in the process of always tearing someone else down. Or they're thinking about what they want for their life. We are being eaten alive at this point by our own self-indulgence. It's like everything that I want, everything that I have, what my individual life project, what is it that makes me a complete person? What is it that is going to put me in a position to get the job, to get into the school, to have the right person? What is it that I can do to do all these things? So we miss 
the mercy that God wants to pour into our lives. We don't live in light of God's mercy. And if we don't do that, we cannot live a life worthy of worship. That is exactly right. So it is through accessing mercy as a starting point that we learn to fully give ourselves to God. When we learn how to access this mercy, we fully give ourselves to God. So back to verse 1. So brothers and sisters, because of God's mercy, what was that? The starting point. Because of God's mercy, because you're unworthy, because God still loves you in your deepest, darkest places. And listen, whenever you're doing a lot better and you're living all holy, you're not getting a badge. Because you're just around the corner of making, around the corner you're going to make a huge mistake and be in the need of that mercy again. So because of God's mercy, I encourage you to do what? Present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. What does that do? This creates your true and proper worship. You see, Paul doesn't recognize this necessarily that he's actually doing this, but this is what he's doing. Accessing God's mercy as a starting point as a place that we begin, when we do that, you will be glad to fully give yourself to God. Whenever you recognize, so it's really hard to fully give yourself to God. But when you recognize your desperation, you see your need, you're listening to a worship song, you're listening to a message, you're in a time of prayer, and the enemy starts to put those memories forward in your mind of that time that you messed up, of the mistakes that you've made, of how unfaithful that you've been. And you know that feeling when you start to sink because you're so distracted that you can't follow anything else? In that moment when things are hard, in that moment when things hurt, you recognize you truly are forgiven. That busted up person, those mistakes. You know, society does not offer us in the same way the ability at any given point in time, you can start over. Like there may be people that are in here this morning and you think, man, I shouldn't even be in church. I'm, I'm going to get struck by lightning. Some of the things that I've done, some of the things that I carried in here, or I don't feel worthy to worship because I've done this and I've done that. And I don't know that you can fully take this in in this second because I get it. It's really, really hard and there's a lot of psychological layers. But what I'm telling you is this. In this very moment, on this very day, you can be absolutely clean slate brand new. And I get it, your ex is calling you and they're like, well, I'm not arguing with you over custody anymore and we're not doing this and we're not doing that. Or that person from the past kind of creeps in and says, well, you did this or well, you did that. And you're thinking, last night I did this and you're the kind of person that just really, really carries the weight of guilt. Or maybe just some of you, you just don't like yourself. Brand new. And as I was laying in bed last night with, with Levi tucked in my armpit, he just, he's like a like a golden retriever, like I can't get him off of me. He's just like, you know, in the bed, and I'm thinking, this little boy has no idea how much I love him. And it's even hard for me sometimes to really recognize that as hard as I am on myself, that God's not hard on me in that way. God wants me to be free. God wants me to be liberated. God wants me to be able to move on from the things that are toxic that hurt me over and over. But so often what keeps us from this place of mercy 
and then giving ourselves fully that creates this lifestyle of worship is this view of a God that just wants to smite us and destroy us at any given moment in time. We need a very real picture of what this looks like. So again, a strong reason that people really, really struggle to worship is because all this sounds foreign. It all sounds like something that they don't feel as if they can do. So I want you to imagine something with me. Okay, I want you to think about this for just a second. A lot of you, whenever you come in here, you go into church the exact same way that I used to go to church. Are we going to be there on time? Do we have time to stop here? What do you need to do Monday afternoon? Let's make sure that we've got everything taken care of so that everything's prepared. Oh, I hope they have that good coffee this morning. Hope hope so-and-so's working in the kids' room because she really likes so-and-so in the kids' room. I hope all this stuff. What if 50%, just half of the people that are worshiping with us every single Sunday started to live a lifestyle of worship. Can you even begin to imagine what the experience is going to be like in this room? Can you even begin to imagine how the roof is going to blow off? I mean, imagine if whenever you walk in here on Sunday mornings, you've already got people around this altar praying for you. Imagine whenever you walk in that there are already people, they don't know your struggles. They don't know what you've been through. Maybe they do know the sickness or the the pain that you are going through. And we have already for 30 minutes or more lifted up Jesus in such a way that we can't even contain what's about to happen. But if we're to be really honest, that's not the way that we approach worship. What we do instead is we come in here, we roll in here, we hope we're in here just right on time. Sometimes you're thinking, well, I don't necessarily care to hear the first song or the second song, but if I can get there at this particular time, I'll be okay. They usually lock the doors. Listen, that is not a way to approach worship. We are talking about the same Jesus that died on the cross for your sins. We are talking about the same Jesus that is worthy. The the, the breath in your lungs right now is because God is good. Yet we treat it so casual. Like, like we're not going to be late whenever we go meet our friends somewhere. Uh, we're not going to kind of consider it just kind of half-hearted um, uh, whenever we're doing, whenever we're, we consider it that way when we're coming here, but not whenever we're going out on our first date with someone or to meet somebody else. It's like it's just become this casual thing in our lives that we do like two or three times a month. And if that's the case, how are we even remotely considering The possibility of building a lifestyle of worship. Something that is real around the clock. Because there's so much that comes with this. There is this joy that comes with this. There is a peace that comes with this. There are all of these things that comes with this. So this leads us to verse 2. Because I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of what goes on in church is a lot of people. Because sometimes when worship gets really intense. Some of you guys aren't feeling it. You're thinking if I don't get out of here in just a minute. Holy Taco is going to be packed. And I'm not even going to eat. If I don't get out of here in just a minute, I'm not going to be able to take care of this, that, or the other that I need to really take care of this afternoon. And this is why some people don't understand this. If we look at verse 2, it says this, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. This is a very, very serious passage because what Scripture is telling you, what God is telling you, and what culture is telling you are very, very different things. So Paul's telling the Romans, don't be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed. Comes from the Greek word metamorphi. It's literally the difference. You don't know how different it is. It's not like one day I have hair and the next day I don't. 
It's like caterpillar to a butterfly metamorphosis. Metamorphize, where the word comes from. Meaning that whenever you make the decision to do this, to not conform to the world, but to be transformed, things change about you over time sometimes. Don't feel crazy if your politics start to shift. Don't feel crazy if the way you treat other people that you used to not get along with starts to shift. All of these different things. We were talking about this in our group the other night. Beth used to turn on worship music whenever we would date, whenever we were dating. And I was just like, will you please turn this off? It all sounds the same. I can't, you know, it's just like every single song sounds like the same chords and sounds exactly the same. My grandmother used to call them 7-Eleven songs. Like, keep in mind, she's a Baptist piano player. But the same seven songs, same seven words 11 times. And I'm like, I just can't, I, I don't like this. Will you turn it on something else? And now, like, I worship like crazy all the time because it's just this, this process that happens. There is transformation that happens. Yet this is foreign to so many people. They're just like, well, well I guess it's okay. I, I guess it's all right. So do not be conformed to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can figure out what God's will is. That's the whole point. What is good and what is pleasing and what is mature. And you see, you can't worship. I mean, you can get excited and you can have an emotional experience, but you can't worship without transformation because transformation is why you're worshiping. So it's something that has to take place. You can't experience why, why people are crying or pouring themselves out to God because I'm just going to be honest, we look crazy. We look like a bunch of lunatics. You know, why are they choosing to stay in here a little bit longer? Why is this going on? It's because of transformation. Worship is weird to a lot of people because of spiritual immaturity. In his book, Along Obedience in the Same Direction, Eugene Peterson su suggests that our everyday needs are changed. Think about what you need every day. Our everyday needs are changed by the act of worship. Worship reprograms your thinking. If you don't believe me, step away from a crisis at work when your anxiety is really, really high. Put your AirPods in, start to worship. It reprograms our thinking. Instead, what we do is scroll. Worship lowers rates of depression. And that's science. That, that's not me just saying that. That's scientific. That's, sci that's science. Worship reduces self-focus. Worship offloads guilt and anxiety and all these things that afflict us. So what I want to use with verse 2 and how I want to close this out today with what I'm talking about is I really want to focus for just a second. Like if this idea of worship seems foreign, if this idea of worship and what's going on, you're like, it's exciting, but I still feel like I'm a little bit on the outside of that. Uh, what I'd like to do is address you as we're closing uh, today, I want you to know how much God loves you and how much God wants you and how real this mercy can be for your experience today. By virtue of birth into flesh, you are a sinner. And I know that's not real common language today. I know people think it's gross and they don't like to talk about it, but it's spiritual reality. And there is nothing that we can do about, uh, about it. Paul tells us this. All have sinned and come short of God's glory. He also said the wages 
of sin. The penalty for sin is death. But fortunately, that's not the entirety of the story. Because this is what he says as he writes to Titus. And this is the good news. The grace of God has appeared. Bringing salvation, bringing life to all people. It educates us so that we can live sensible, ethical, and godly lives right now by rejecting ungodly lives and the desires of the world. And I love this part. He gave himself for us in order to rescue us from every kind of lawless behavior and cleanse a special people for himself who are eager to do good actions. John 3.16, you guys know that one. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but instead have everlasting life. And that can be you today. If this is a commitment that you've never made or a decision that you've never made, that mercy is for you today. So how do you go about receiving this truth? How is it that you embrace it? How is it that you take it in? How is it that you make it part of your life? How are you transformed in this way in which you're a completely different being? This is what we shared with Cora recently whenever she accepted Christ. Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you confess with your mouth or you say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and in your heart you have faith that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Trusting with the heart leads to righteousness and confessing with the mouth leads to salvation. And I wonder if there are any of us that are in the room today that really need to embrace or really need to accept this for the first time. So in a minute, what we're going to do is we're going to take communion and we're going to invite you into a lifestyle of worship today. But what we have to recognize before we can ever offer ourselves is our need for mercy. So what I want you to think about for just a second, because I think all of us to some degree, unless you're much more spiritually mature than myself, we carry some level of shame. It's about a decision that we made in the past. It's about a way that we treated our spouse. It's about someone that you bullied many years ago, maybe in high school. But still to this day, that shame of how you impacted or hurt that person is very real. Maybe it's a, le a, a, a level of doubt or distrust that you had at some point when you knew you had seen God come through before. But over and over, you heard yourself say, God can't. Maybe it's worse than that. Maybe it's something that I can't even fathom that's in your mind and in your heart right now and you would give anything if it had never happened now I want you to imagine with this with me for just a second because I think self-forgiveness sometimes takes a little bit longer 
But if you've trusted in Jesus, or if you make that decision to do that today, it's as if it never happened. And I know that's hard to grasp, and I know that's hard to understand. But you are clean. You are free. Because every bit of that guilt and every bit of that shame and every bit of that part of yourself that you really don't want anyone else to know, he literally bore that for you on the cross. And you know what your life is in this minute, even though you may not see it and even though you may not feel it? You are being drowned in mercy. You are being freed up in ways that you can't even possibly imagine. And I know that you like your self-help stuff and you like your shows and your podcasts and all these different things, but I'm telling you something. This is sustaining. This lasts. And what happens whenever you're able to grab a hold of that and pull it in over a period of time is you start to believe it. And when you start to believe it, you're unleashed in a way that you can't even begin to imagine. You're giving yourself fully to God and you're driving down the road and you're listening to run to the Father and you're just weeping. Or you're reading John chapter 3 and you are just weeping. Or you're hearing a testimony of someone that story is a lot like yours and you're just weeping. And you're not weeping because of some emotional experience. You're weeping because God truly is that good. I'm going to pray. We're going to receive communion. And if you need to worship, if you need to use this altar, if you just need to ask, God, I need to feel your mercy because I feel like the will is dry. We welcome you to do that today. Father, we come to you this morning just thanking you for your goodness. Thanking you for the mercy, God, that we simply cannot understand. But we pray in this moment, Father, as we take in the sacraments, God, that you speak through our experience, that we're filled with the grace of God, and that you do a work that we can't even begin to understand. Father, pour our hearts out to you in this moment. Amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit Believer's and enjoy the rest of your week.